0: I'm Keitel and I'm Joe and we're the United Mates back in our school days a shared passion for football brought us together as best friends today we're separated by an ocean I live in our hometown London and these days I live in LA but we still enjoy nothing more than chatting about the beautiful game so we started a podcast join us a few more old mates from school here and there and new friends, too, from the world of professional football and beyond. This is the United Mates Football Podcast.
1: Hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kaitel, and I'm joined here in our hometown of London for the first time in the history of of this podcast by my co-host Joe typically this is an international affair but I'm in England for one of our best mates stag do's so we'll see how this goes with Joe and I recording sat right next to each other rather than (laughs) thousands of miles apart as usual we do have a very special guest that we're extremely excited to have on the call with us during his playing days he competed at every level of the football league including a spell that saw in grace the Premier League with Bournemouth these days cherries aren't the only fruit he's passionate about self-dubbed the foodie footballer he's an online health coach personal trainer and nutrition advisor specializing in athletic performance we welcome mark pew to the united mates football podcast mark thank you very much for joining us it's a pleasure to have you on the pod and how's it going mate
2: yeah i'm really well thank you no thank you for having me i'm looking forward to the chat and uh yeah have great things about you both
1: <laughs> <laughs> well that's nice of you to say hopefully we can live up to that reputation the pleasure is all ours Joe it's a bit weird this being surreal, in the same yeah. room yeah I'd say <laughs> surreal is one way to put it um at this point of the podcast as you know I typically have a go at Spurs but I'm not protected by an ocean in between us like usual um otherwise what a quality stag weekend that was up in Sheffield thankfully you might hear a bit of hoarseness in my throat but I've just about got that back shouting in in clubs is what did it for me um, but what about you, mate? How's it going?
0: Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, I'm feeling good. Um, my, my throat's actually quite sore now. I haven't lost my voice, but, you know, clearly a little shouting and other stuff, I think, as well, on the Stag do over the weekend. Um, and Tottenham even drew against Liverpool, so that was OK. Um, just got to beat you now and then make you mess up at some point. Um, but, yeah, no, it's good, good to have Kai in the same room as me, and I'm obviously excited to be interviewing Mark. Um, so, Mark, when we have guests on our podcast, we always start with an icebreaker question. And so we basically, typically, we just go onto people's social media and we find something. Um, so we've done that for you. Um, we had to go back a few years, actually. We've gone back eight years to find a picture of when I believe you had to use a pepper pig plaster for a blister on your foot.
2: Oh, lovely. Yeah. I remember that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the famous pepper plaster. But in honour of pepper pig, today's icebreaker question is what is your fa- well what is your favorite cartoon animal but we'll give you a bit of time to think about that um kai i guess i'll ask you first well then mark thinks about his favorite cartoon animal what's yours
1: so i remember seeing this one in the movie theaters as a child it was from the emperor's new groove uh, emperor cusco he's a llama played by david spade and it holds up honestly i think i could watch that movie today and i would still be uh, laughing a lot out loud it, it's a good one so i'm going to have to go for Emperor Kuzco, the llama from nice. uh, The Emperor's New Group. But how about you, Joe? Favourite cartoon animal?
0: Uh, I'd probably go with Brian Griffin from Family Guy. He's a funny dog. Seth MacFarlane, it's his own voice. Um, Talk about that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Quite an inappropriate dog, but very funny. Um, so, yeah, I think I'll go with him. Mark, um, what about you? Do you have a favourite cartoon animal? Oof,
2: I'd have to go for... I've got a few. I'd, I've got a few, but there's, um, I don't know if you've, you've ever seen Tangled
0: oh I, I think i actually probably shouldn't yeah quit, but i
2: think i might have done yeah <laughs> flim rider he's got some great banter so flim rider <laughs> if, if you've never seen tangled i've watched it many a times with the uh my two girls and uh yeah he's got a bit of banter about him so yeah flim rider i'd say
1: Flim rider there you go i haven't seen that one but i'll add it to my list <laughs> on from our favorite cartoon animals we are actually going to chat a bit about football today Um, When we get guests on the podcast, we always like to start by getting a bit of a flavor for what it is in their background in their childhood that sort of pushed them towards football in the first place, what caught their attention about the beautiful game, what made them fall in love with it. So we kind of call it the football origin story question, so to speak. So, Mark, from your childhood, could you tell us a bit about any memories of playing football at an early age, watching football at an early age, supporting a team? How did you fall in love with the beautiful game?
2: From a young age, really. I was four years old um, when I got my first football kit and I I joined a soccer school uh, and it just taught us the the basics, turning. Um, I've been known for the Cruyff Turn throughout my playing career. I scored a few goals by... Few uh, turns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Pew Turn. But um, yeah, I started at four years old and I just loved it. My parents loved football and it was a big part of my life. I just... I think the key is when you're young, just to enjoy it. I played Sunday league football, um, grassroots football until I was 13, 14. And I believe if you're good enough, um, you will you know, the right person will spot you and um, give you an opportunity. And I got the opportunity to to join Burnley from, you know, the age of 15. And that's where I did my, my YTS, my scholarship. And um, yeah, I mean, football, like I said, it's, um, it's always been a big part of me and I just, Love playing in front of fans. There's there's no greater joy. And putting smiles on people's faces and winning games, I think I've had a winning mentality from a young age and that inspired me to be a professional footballer.
0: Fantastic. No, it's always good to be able to put on a show and enjoy playing the game as well. That's so important. But um, you mentioned the fact that um, you started off at Burnley, um, Mark. And obviously, when you were at Burnley, you did make the bench a couple of times, but... After, you know, a couple of loans, I think, as well, to Kidderminster, unfortunately, at that stage in your career, you were released by them. And I know you had sort of said that retrospectively, it was a blessing in disguise. But looking back at that time, being as objective as you can, do you think you were deserving of a contract? Or actually, as hard as it to say, what, did Burnley make the right decision, decision, given how you were as a player at that time?
2: I believe everything happens for a reason and I wouldn't have had the career I've had today if I wouldn't have dealt, um, you know, had that setback from a young age because I think it really does toughen you up. Um, In my final season with Burnley in reserve and youth team football, I scored 27 goals in um, 14 games, uh, which is good statistics and I think that's why it was quite hard to take at the time. I was a Burnley fan as well. Um, You know, performing really well, but I wasn't really um, getting any opportunities to train with the first team. So I, I had to have an honest conversation with the first team manager at the time, which was Steve Cottrell, and he he told me I wasn't good enough. And I think that's fuel on the fire. You just want to, you know, you can use that one way or another. And I, I, I used it in a positive manner. I thought, right, I'll prove you wrong. I'll go on to make you know, a success out of this. I'll, I want to be a professional footballer. I want to play in the Premier League and i think positive self talk and having that belief in yourself you know through adversity when when things don't go your way um as i always say in football never get too high with the high too low with the lows and just do what you believe in and uh keep pushing and i, I believe you'll you'll achieve your goal in the end
1: talent goes a long way but having a Good head on your shoulders is kind of the make or break factor, I, I reckon, on, on many levels. So, you you had both the talent and you know the setback, like you said, but it was a learning experience that you used to add fuel to the fire as well, as you mentioned. Um, for this next question, I've sort of got my Arsenal supporters cap on, so I hope you don't mind indulging me as we're taking a bit of a step away from your own career. But, um, tangentially, at Burnley, you had quite a few big names as teammates, the likes of Addy Akinbaye, Kyle Lafferty. Phil Bardsley, one of our former guests, Paul McVay, uh, even a Premier League winner in Nathan Dyer were some of those guys. Former Gunner, another one of your teammates at the time, Danny Carbassioon, I think he had a brief spell with Burnley, was another one of your teammates. As you'll know, he went through hell with injuries and had to prematurely retire from the game not long after leaving Burnley. So, Mark, from your perspective as an ex-player and as a fitness fanatic in particular... How much of any player's career and longevity in the game comes down to luck versus how much of it is a question of actively trying to keep yourself as fit as possible. Um, we all have you know, different strengths and weaknesses, but some players like Carbassioon, for instance, their bodies seem to give up on them. What, what's your take on this situation and preserving any football career in general?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to give yourself every possible opportunity to to perform optimally and improving the small percentages on a daily basis, such as you know your nutrition, your recovery, you know your gym work. It all adds up. Whether you're doing extras after training, your ice baths, your massages, all these small percentages really do add up to make it, you know the best athlete. And yeah, you can get a little bit unlucky if, if you know if you if you turn. You know, strangely, and you do your ACL or whatever it may be, you might get that unlucky break. It's how you deal with that and how you come back. I've played with players such as Callum Wilson. He's done both ACLs in both knees. And look at the heights he's reached. He's playing for Newcastle in the Premier League and he's bounced back. Tyrone Ming's done his ACL. Um, Lewis Cook, again, had tough injuries, but he's still, you know, he did his gym work. He, He got himself back to the level he know he can. And he's just been promoted to the Premier League with Bournemouth again. And, um, you know, it's just having the right mentality on a daily basis and doing everything you can. Um, you know, control the controllables. Yeah, sometimes you're a little bit unlucky with injuries. Like you mentioned, Danny Carbassian, um, a great professional, worked hard, lovely lad. I got him really well with Danny, and uh, he was so unfortunate with, with the injuries he had. Um, and he did live his life right, um, from what I'm aware of. I, I don't know what he did. Away from the game because he was a little bit older than me, and I was, um, you know, I, I didn't spend too much time with him away from the game. But uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he just got a little bit unlucky. But um, like I said, it's uh, it's down to you at the end, Dave. You want it bad enough, you'll you'll bounce back and um, you know make it in the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you said, mentality is so important, both from bouncing back from injuries, but also, I guess, going back to your career. Um, giving yourself the opportunity to kind of go back up the leagues. Because as we spoke about earlier, you were released from Burnley and then you'd go to Bury and play there for a couple of years. You'd then go and play for Shrewsbury and go on loan to Luton with Nick Harford, who we've, was another guy we've interviewed in the past. And then actually end up at Hereford, of course, um, a big rival of Shrewsbury um, in many ways. Um, but I know when you went to Hereford, Mark, um, one of the things you said was that you kind of realised that you had to knuckle down at that point in your career because it could be your last opportunity. And look, obviously that first full season at Hereford went really well. You scored a load of goals and that really provided the springboard for you to um, move up uh, the leagues and move up um, in your your development as as a player. So from a mentality perspective in that season at Hereford, what, what was what were you doing? Anything differently to what you'd done prior to your career? Was there a change in mentality for
2: you? No, I was showing grit and determination because I knew that was a make or break. I had a, a season contract with Hereford when I was 20, um, 21, 22, going into my third year with Shrewsbury. There was a change of manager again, and I wasn't in his plans. I told him I wasn't good enough again. Um, and at the time, was what, I was on my honeymoon. And obviously, you know you miss it at times. she's like, "Oh, where do we go from here?" And I just said, "I remember saying to her, Look, I'll play in the Premier League um you know i will I'll, I'll prove these people wrong, and I think positive self-talk affirmations, always believe in yourself, having confidence in your own ability, it really does take you a long way and you know a few days later, I got a phone call um off Hereford. They wanted to offer me a year contract, and I believe you know if you're you've got that positive mindset things come to you and I just thought I'm going to really knuckle down here I'm going to get myself right I'm going to fuel properly I'm going to work hard and again you can have the best game in the world but at the end of the day if you're scoring goals and you're coming up on you know Soccer Saturday whatever it may be um, you get noticed and in that season I scored two in the home fixture against Bournemouth and I scored one in the away fixture um, Bournemouth took a liking to me and um, yeah spent nine amazing years after Hereford with Bournemouth.
1: You hear it a lot the kind of phrase or the word thrown around these days in particular I feel like I hear it a lot of uh, manifestation and manifesting and having that belief in yourself and really convincing yourself that this will come true this will happen obviously there's a lot of hard work that goes into it behind the scenes it's not just going to bed at night and, and wishing but you you pulled it off. And you know, speaking of Bournemouth Bournemouth after such a fantastic season at Hereford, you would join Bournemouth, Bournemouth in League One. And that's the club, as you mentioned, nine nine brilliant years, the club where you would spend the longest spell of your career and where you were an instrumental part of a meteoric rise from League One into the championship and then into the Premier League. As you said, you would you would end up playing in the Premier League. Given that your stock had never been higher than after that first oh, that's, uh, first permanent season at, at Hereford as the, the top scorer, what was it about Bournemouth that made you decide to join them? Presumably you had a, a few offers so obviously you know it was a great decision but why did Bournemouth feel like the right next step for you at that time?
2: Strangely enough I didn't have any other offers <laughs> 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 but um, no I mean Hereford did want to keep me, they offered me another year contract but I wanted a little bit of security, I just got married and You know, obviously I wanted to take it to the next level. Bournemouth played lovely football under Eddie Howe. They offered me a three-year contract. It was a big move because I'm a northern boy and it was right on the south coast, five and a half, six hours away from family. Um, But no, we, you know, my wife was really supportive and I had a good feeling about um, Bournemouth. And when I met Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall, we just had that instant connection. I loved the way he wanted to play. Uh, his philosophy, his work ethic, his aura, everything about him I loved. And I believe he would get the best out of me. And, you know, I have a faith. I have, like I said, I believe everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, just trying to, I like to write down my, you know, my visions, my, you know, a lot of people like to, um, you know, look at them every day and like, in the evenings I like to plan out my day and I did that with my career really I you know I really did um, I really was big for for self-talk and um, yeah it just it just clicked and yeah there was there was a few ups and downs along the way but you're going to get to your your destination eventually through hard work and one of my quotes that I live by I put it behind my mirror um, and I read it every day is hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard and that's all I've stuck by
0: well, I mean, it it worked because obviously you ended up, well, you started in League One with Bournemouth and you ended up in the Premier League a few years later. Um, I mean, look, in the first couple of years at Bournemouth, you were the top scorer there. You then you know, played an integral role throughout that whole journey that ultimately led to Bournemouth being in the Premier League. They obviously went down a couple of years, but are back up again now. But um, I guess now, Mark, when you look back at that nine-year journey at Bournemouth, obviously you said earlier on in this interview that, You'd said quite, you know, you'd manifested that you would play in the Premier League one day. That was a goal of yours. But when you look back at the journey versus that, well, yeah. So I guess my question is, do you have more pride in the fact that you were there from the beginning at League One all the way to to the Premier League? Or actually, was it just that first appearance in the Premier League that was just unlike anything else in your career and was almost the proudest moment?
2: I think it was special because I always dreamt as a boy that I wanted to test myself against world-class players. And because I'd been through so much, uh, released twice, told I wasn't good enough. And, you know, I was slowly working my way up the ladder, proving people wrong as I went along. A couple of managers that obviously released me when I got to the championship, they were assistant managers at, you know, some of the clubs I played at. And they pulled me and said, look, I was completely wrong, which that was great satisfaction to me. I absolutely buzzed off that. Um, And, you know, I got doubted, went up to the championship, was told I wasn't good enough for League One, let alone the championship. And I scored nine goals in my second season and got a lot of assists as well. Um, But getting to that Premier League, that's the easy part. It's staying there. You know, it's all right getting to the Premier League, but you've not made it. You've never made it. You've got to keep improving as a person, as an individual, as an athlete, and you've got to do everything right um, because it's a ten-month grueling season. It's it's enjoyable. Absolutely love the process, but it is a commitment. It is a sacrifice, and you've got to do everything right to be successful. And as as an athlete, you've got to have that winning mentality. And over the course of my you know the eighteen pre seasons I had in football, um, I just wanted to win. I wanted to get. to to the Premier League and I wanted to test myself against the best in the world.
1: Well, you certainly ended up succeeding at all of the above. Um, During, you know, you've spoken about Eddie Eddie Howe uh, as well, but during your time in particular in the Premier League under Eddie Howe uh, with Bournemouth, the club, they really backed him in a big way financially at this point. Um, Obviously, the windfall of money that does come in at that point. And likewise, you know, you might inevitably, as as a promoted team, need to strengthen to remain in the league. Um, you would have seen a number of high-profile signings arrive as your new teammates, you know, season after season at this point. Was this maybe the first time in your senior career that you were a bit starstruck by the names and faces of players that you found yourself
2: training alongside every day? And if so, who excited you the most when they showed up at Dean Court? Um, I think when you're in the moment, as I always say in football, you've got to be in the moment. You've got to concentrate on yourself and your performances and you can't be, you know, overwhelmed uh, you know, starstruck, but yeah, you did have that mutual respect from, um, you know, your likes of Jack Wilshire, um, so much ability, um, so much promise, was really unlucky with injuries, um, you know, he did a state injury free for, for most of his career, there's no doubt he'd be playing for England because he had so much ability, um, and you know, your likes of Nathan Ake, uh, unbelievable talent, um, you know, he was a little bit Unknown for me when when he came to Bournemouth, he'd, he'd not played much much football for Chelsea. He came in and he was just an all-round great athlete, great lad. Um, you know, never got too big for his boots, and now he's playing for Man City. And um, you know, he's he's an unbelievable professional. Again, Jermaine Defoe, he, he's just you know his his record speaks for himself. But it's when. After, you know, a couple of weeks of, of, of meeting him, I knew why he was there, because he did everything right. He ate well, he recovered well, he slept well, he, you know, did his extras after training, whether it would be finishing. Um, if he's not in the team, he'll do his extra runs. He just lived his life right. So you you look at them for inspiration and motivation, and, you know, you it'd be wrong if you're not to ask questions. How, why, how did you reach the heights you you got to um, because there's no special formula to it it's it's living your life right and your daily habits need to be bang on some great names obviously as an Arsenal fan it was sad to see Jack
1: potentially not live up to at least being able to play as many consistent games at at my club as I would have liked a mercurial talent it was nice of you to mention Jermaine Defoe as Joe's a Spurs Spurs fan. Oh so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's,
2: no, he's class he's class. his mean, He is even as an Arsenal supporter, I, he's just, he just, he's, just incredible. he's he's such a great guy. And um, like I said, he's, he's he's the ultimate professional. That's why he was scoring goals at 38, 39 for Rangers. And um, you know, I'm surprised he retired because he was in great, great shape.
1: He could, I'm sure if he wanted to be still out there, yeah, he'd probably probably do it. Um, otherwise, another one of your teammates who, likewise, if we want to talk about bad luck or that doesn't even do this justice, but David Brooks uh, let the Premier League alight at moments in his earlier days with, with Bournemouth, got a bad injury as well. And then obviously on, on top of that, he's thankfully recently, I think, received the all clear but he's been through, you know, m- more than anyone could could possibly a- imagine. Is is he someone you've remained in, in touch with? Do you have confidence in, in him bouncing back and salvaging what he was on his way to doing, which was being a fantastic Premier League
2: footballer? He's an incredible talent and he's such a lovely lad as well. He wants to do well and I'm just, you know, thank God he, he is okay and he's... he's you know, he's recovering well now. It's going to take him a long time. I, I think, you know, the fans and and the public need to just let him, you know, crack on with his fitness, his recovery, and it's going to take him time to get back to where he, he knows he can be. Um, but I have no doubt with the right mindset, um, you know, f- fueling himself correctly with the right nutrition and um, having people around him to support him, he will get back to where he wants to be because undoubted talent, And he's, you know, I spoke to him probably about six, seven weeks ago now. Um, Hmm. Well, whilst he was still having treatment, um, I was down in Bournemouth doing uh, nutrition with the the, uh, development squad and we had a good catch up and um, yes, so so pleased for him. So pleased for him. And um, yeah, like you say, great talent and um, he can be anything he wants to be if he can get back there. Yeah, I
0: mean, he's a a fantastic footballer and it's just great that His health is on the up now, but hopefully we'll see him, you know, doing his thing on the pitch sooner rather than later. Um, But going back to um, your time in the Premier League, Mark, obviously you were saying earlier that the hard work essentially starts once you get promoted because you you have to then stay up and that's when you're playing on a weekly basis against literally the best players in the world. So once you made that step up to the Premier League, I know you've throughout your career you've had a a positive attitude and a strong routine that kind of guided you along. But was there anything that changed once you were in the Premier League in terms of the way you trained or the way that Eddie Howe and the coaching team would um, sort of approach things? What what were the main differences for you as a player once you reached the Premier League?
2: I mean, the intensity levels, they they had to be a given. You need to train in from the Championship, especially second season leading into the Premier League. Training was much more intense. Um, mentally, physically, emotionally, you had to be ready for what came. And be, the, the big difference with the Premier League is strikers get one and two chances um, and they'll finish them. You know, you, they're more clinical. So you've got to be defensively more structured in your shape and um, you've got to work harder off the ball because you're going to spend long periods without the ball, especially against your likes of City, Tottenham, Arsenal, uh, Liverpool, Chelsea. They they have long long spells of possession, so you need to be fit, um, and we had some grueling pre-seasons. Obviously, they were based around the ball. That's what I loved about Eddie Irie. It was all specific to the game. Um, but every pre a killer. As, as a player, you've just got to be ready for it. And... I think the key is to get through pre-season, do your gym work, do your extras, make sure you're, you're recovering properly because to get the best out of your season, you've got to be a fit for our pre-season. You've, you can't begin injuries because it's tough to catch up. You, you're constantly playing catch-up. And that Premier League season, um, it was really important that our squad got through it because we knew we, 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 had, a, we had a tough ask. We were favourites to go down, um, but we proved everyone wrong. We proved the doubters wrong. And I think that came through, you know, the dressing room. We had a great cohesion. We had great characters. And most of that team had never even stepped foot in the Premier League. So they had a point to prove. And we wanted it, you know, for ourselves, for our families. It's life-changing financially. So whatever your goal is as an individual, um, you know, go out onto that field and give your all for the fans, for yourself and for your family.
0: Yeah, well... Like you said, you certainly did that and certainly um, surprised a few people. I think they are probably back in um, 2015, is it 2015 when you went up? I think, yeah, 2015, yeah. yeah. Back then, probably, I imagine amongst the bookies, Bournemouth would have been one of the favourites to go down. But obviously, Bournemouth stayed in the Premier League for a number of years and are back. Um, which is great. But um going back, I suppose, especially in that that maybe that first season when you were playing in the Premier League, your first year in the Premier League, was um was there a particularly special um Premier League ground that you played at that you enjoyed? And if so, what why? What was there, was there any any games in particular that stand out for you from that first year?
2: Yeah, definitely. My first Premier League goal against West Ham, you'll be pleased about this actually. Both of us. I mean, not just because of the goal. I don't know about you, whether you've ever been to Upton Park, but the atmosphere was incredible. It was one of the best I played in the Premier League, and I played at the Etihad, I played at Old Trafford, played at Anfield. But throughout the game, the atmosphere was amazing, and like to score my first Premier League goal coming off the bench, and it was our first Premier League win as well. We won four or three. Um, yeah, that was a real special memory for me. I knew I'd arrived, and I knew, um, you know, I be- I belong there, and I knew I could mix it with the best. So. I used that as um, a platform to, to build and I grew into the season, started playing better, performing better and and gaining more confidence with that so yeah that's a standout game for me.
1: A yeah, very special moment and uh, a place that no one's ever going to score another goal at again because obviously West Ham <laughs> they, you know, they don't play there anymore, you speak about atmospheres, I know the West Ham fans have had a hard time transitioning from Upton Park to to the the, uh, the, the new London uh, Olympic Stadium, um, so that I can only imagine. And against West Ham in particular, uh, would have been something that yeah, I think Joe and I would have <laughs> would have enjoyed had we been the ones putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, on your performances at this point in your career, you might call it your your prime from an, a kind of age point, and then obviously the. Quality that you're having to match up against and be able to perform against week in, week out in, in the Premier League. But do you ever think back that maybe there was another level even to your game that you could have reached? Did you have serious aspirations of playing for England, for instance?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was always in the back of my mind. And, um, you know, you, you've got to set your goals big. Obviously, I didn't reach that goal. Um, but when I look back, I know I give everything. Um if you can look back and, you know, you've tried everything and, you know, you've worked hard, you've, you've lived your lifestyle, right. And you, you go out on the training field, you do your extras and you don't reach that goal then, you know, that's all you can ask. So yeah, I'd love to have played for England. Don't get me wrong. And, uh, you know, no goals too big. Uh, You've got to dream big, but yeah, that wasn't to be. Um, I was just delighted. I, I got to, you know, play in the Premier League and, um, you know, mix it with the best. But yeah, that would have been lovely. I'm not going to lie. I'm not gonna, for sure.
0: Yeah, well, it's amazing. That that's, that can almost be a, a regret that it never happened. Shows a career's pretty good if that's <laughs> the one thing, you know, you didn't didn't manage to tick off. But um, obviously, um, you had your nine years at um, Bournemouth and then you would go on to um, play for Hull for a bit and KPR and even um, return back to Shrewsbury just before um, you hung up your boots. But um, we're going to talk now a bit about... Um, What you're up to these days is, of course, um, the Foodie Footballer account that you have on Instagram, um, which obviously is a fantastic account. And, you know, you share all these wonderful meals. It's very bright and colourful accounts, um, which is great. But obviously, the the big thing about the Foodie Footballer is having a focus on nutrition and diet and effectively doing things the right way. Um, So obviously, in football now, nutrition and diet is incredibly important and I'd say more or less everybody at the top of the game has to take it seriously in order to remain at the top of the game. Obviously you've spoken about from a fitness perspective as well, making sure you do your extras and all of that um, in addition to the nutrition side of things. But for you, I know you've said that it's it's been important to you. I mean how at what stage in your career did you really realize that nutrition and diet and doing things right was the way forward? Was that just something that came to you from a young age or did was there a light bulb
2: moment at some point along the way? Yeah, so I look back to, to my early days where I'd spending a lot of time in League One and League Two. And I thought I was eating healthily, but in reality, I, I wasn't eating as well as I should have done. I wasn't uh, fueling my body properly for games. I was getting towards 70, 75 minutes. I was getting a little bit tired and I weren't performing well for the last 15, 20 minutes of games. So I started to to study nutrition a lot, especially when we got promoted to the championship, because I knew um, the athleticism of players, the physicality was a lot, you know, better. A lot the, the the tempo was a lot quicker. So I did a qualification in, in nutrition at the age of twenty six. Um, was seeing the benefits in my performance. I could go ninety minutes. I was I was running twelve to thirteen k quite comfortably, feeling feeling sharp feeling strong I was scoring a lot of my goals in the last you know 15-20 minutes when defenders were getting tired so fueling optimally is important but I always speak to athletes now and I'm like yeah focus on fueling properly but don't fuel for that one performance fuel for the season because it's all right you know fueling for the performance and filling your body full of sugar but that's going to have a negative effect on your recovery as well and you sleep, so you're not going to recover properly, and that's how you pick up injuries. So, making sure you provide the body with you know, your, your complex carbs, long sustained energy carbs, that kind of thing is really important. Um, every ind- individual is different, but that really did work for me. And then again, I, I, I began to do more qualifications. The most recent one I did was in athletic performance and weight management um so yeah I specialize in that at the moment now so it's it's really um it's becoming more and more popular in in football it wasn't spoken about so much when I was younger but I know it's a massive change in my performances again I I tried different things different strategies and in the Premier League I mean I remember the game against Man City I run 13.7k which is a hell of a distance um I probably only, I only touched the ball 11 times because they, they passed us off the park. Um, but no, I just, um, I just felt like I could, could run a lot longer. I was recovering better. I was sleeping better. And yeah, it, it just made my overall mood. I was, I've always been a happy person. I've always been a positive person. But I think it makes you happy as well, the healthier you feel. It's
1: always impressive when you can run more kilometers than touches you, you have in a, in a game. <laughs> Probably a good thing you didn't touch the ball more in that one, I guess. Otherwise, you would have really had to do some serious, yeah, right? yeah. yeah, still be going today. Um, but you mentioned as well, you know, being able to take advantage of um opposition tiring towards the end of games, and then obviously from a longer term perspective, balancing that out over the, the course of a season. Another you know, high profile player that is enjoying um, his career still Uh, at an older age as Cristiano Ronaldo back in the Premier League. That guy clearly takes care of himself. And you mentioned as well just the nutrition and the preparation becoming more of a a staple of of the preparation uh, that these top players uh, go through. Do you foresee the average career just continuing to last longer and longer Is Latan's still going? There's a lot of these guys that are pushing it, but... As we move towards the future, is that going to be more of a normality?
2: I think so. I think it, I think nutrition's a massive part. And you you look at Cristiano's Latan, Lo and um, you know, all these massive. They, they all live the life right, and you know the the body composition, everything is just spot on. And yeah, they've got all the money in the world to hire the nutritionists and that kind of thing. So that helps. But educating yourself, there's so much information available. There's so many knowledgeable people um I always say surround yourself with positive and and more knowledgeable people knowledgeable people than yourself and learn and develop as an individual and if you're you know putting all aspects in, in your life together like a jigsaw puzzle and you know you're you're making uh, the right decisions you've got good habits you live your life right your routine's good then you're going to be obviously you know we're not all going to reach to the To heights of Cristiano Ronaldo but it's something we can aspire to and something we can try and you know push ourselves towards so it's massive um I mean like I said it changed changed me completely the way I feel about nutrition when I started implementing it in my daily life and um I swear by it to this day I could probably play football till I was you know 45 years old if I wanted to but again um I had this passion for life to help others when it comes to nutrition. And um, in football, as you get a little bit older, it happened to me, and I wasn't um, I wasn't valued as much by other clubs. And I wanted to. I felt mentally and physically like I could play in the championship, but you know I didn't get any offers in the championship, and I didn't really want to um, you know do the traveling anymore for League One, League Two. I wanted to de- dedicate a little bit more time to my kids, my wife and add a little bit more flexibility to my life and um you know I've, I've fell into what i'm doing and i'm absolutely loving it
1: if you ever feel like coming out of retirement i'd love to see over in the stateside where i'm at um maybe <laughs> the galaxy or lafc in, in in my hometown these days although from a traveling perspective that it's a pretty big country so you probably yeah, we might not be uh, able to spend as much time with with the family so Otherwise, you know, you touched on it as well, kind of transitioning from playing into the nutrition and the kind of educational role that you can provide on that on that side of things to, to players and to aspiring athletes and to whoever it is that you're coaching. How, how rewarding has this part of your life as, the, as a health coach been and what do you enjoy the most about your career these days?
2: Yeah, it's really rewarding. I mean, I love helping people. I, I love doing something to have an impact, a positive impact on other people's lives because I know how good it makes you feel to, you know, feel, feel strong, feel like you're, you know, you're getting something out of your day, you're eating well, you're getting some exercising, you're sleeping well, you know, if if, if you're happy with your life, then you're going to be successful, whether you're, you know, an athlete, a bank manager, um, someone who works in an office um, if you're feeling good going to work you're going to be in the right mental state and you're going to perform optimally at your job um, so I think it's really important that you do live a healthy lifestyle so no it's so rewarding and you know you're only as good as your client though I think it's really important that you hold your clients accountable and you know at the end they uh, you want you want them to to see progression and that's a bit I love I love it when someone messaged me saying, oh, you made a difference in my life because, um, you know, it's as good as it's as good as it's as close as it gets to scoring a goal in front of fans. Um, it's my why and uh, it's what I love. And don't get me wrong, I love scoring goals and I play five side three times a week still uh, <laughs> to, <nice. laughs> to, to get my football fixed. But um, it is special. It's special
0: fantastic well yeah no, help, helping people is um is a wonderful thing and like you said the skills that you can um offer people uh, you know they're, they're not just football related they can be that applicable to anyone really in life um, but that is actually where we're, um, we're going to end this today Mark so um, before I say thank you to you actually a big thank you to Kytel thanks for flying to London, it wasn't to see me <laughs> to see our friend but we had a great time and <laughs> it was good to, good to hang out in person and um, doing one of these podcasts I and mean, then obviously um, a massive thank you to Mark for, um, for being such a good guest and uh, we've really enjoyed chatting to you Mark and also um, for our listeners it would be great if you could just let them know um, if you've got any so social media um, accounts that they could perhaps follow you and keep up to date with everything that you'll do.
2: Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at the foodie footballer. And um, then obviously my health coach app is foodie footballer fitness. Um, and I'm just trying to think of all of them. Uh, <laughs> you can find a lot of my free recipes on um, cookly Buckley. So if you just Google Mark Pugh cookly Buckley, I've got a lot of res- re- recipes on there. So, Yeah, I think that's about it, and um, no, thank you for having me. I'm just thinking back to the first question you asked me. Did you say that <laughs> this is just randomly? Uh, did you say a cartoon character which is an animal? Yeah, indeed, yeah, another so. one. And I give you Flim Rider, who's not even an animal, I've definitely not seen that movie yet. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to change that up. Scooby Doo, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, there oh, we go. With you must have been thinking, what is this guy on about? <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. But um, no. Thank you for having me, and like I say, I've, I've really enjoyed it.
1: As a I- owner of two dogs I can get behind that, that answer uh, for sure and actually Joe will know this himself growing up I, I had a great Dane obviously Scooby's, Scooby's a great Dane yeah. so yeah that's actor, pretty it? yeah Hercules indeed. I don't
2: know why my clogs were ticking I was I was thinking that much of a good cartoon character I completely forgot.
1: Uh, we came up with the perfect answer in the end to, to to be fair so thanks again Mark congratulations on everything that you are up to as the foodie footballer best of luck on that journey uh, I'd say after the stag weekend that Joe and I were on, we could probably use your services just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just a bit. Um, as far as our listeners, if you enjoyed the podcast, please do subscribe wherever it is that you like to stream your favorite podcast. Just search for United Mates Football Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at United Mates FP, So give us a follow on those two. And if you do feel like putting any faces to these voices, then you can find us on YouTube. Look for United Mates Football Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe while you're at it. For all of that and more in one place, check out the website. It's unitedmatesfp.com. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye.
3: Hey, this is Earth to You, and you're listening to the United Mates Football Podcast. is key to a positive mentality Half a gallon a day is what you need But nothing's changed I just need to pee They ask me how I sleep But there's no in-between It's either too much or not enough it seems With nightmares disguised as dreams they say they know what's best for me. I'm not alone, but I knock it along politely, but I never agree. Everyone says.